0: Um, doing a series on relationships. Um, and we're doing this for two reasons. Um, first is because um, as humans, we are created for relationships. This is hardwired into us. You could say this is our operating system as humans. Um, and all of life is lived within the context of relationships. And this is because we are created by a God who is himself a community. The God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, is a community, and we are made in his image as a community. Um, so, relationships are built into who we are as humans. Um, and the second reason we're doing a series on relationships is because there are lots of voices um, that you hear that are speaking to you, that are um, that want your attention, that are telling you what to believe and what not to believe about relationships and sexuality and marriage and dating and singleness and friendship and sex. And my hope is that what this series will do is that through our time together, looking at Uh, these topics, you will begin um, to have a clear understanding of what it is that the Bible teaches about these things, um, how the Bible tells the story of relationships, so that you can figure out what you believe and why you believe it. And so tonight, like every night when I stand up, you are free to take this or to leave this. Um, But what I want to do is I want to open the Bible up with you and Show you what it is that the scriptures have to say about a particular topic. And if you are not a Christian and you're here tonight, um, we're so glad to have you here with us. Thank you for coming. Um, So, last week I talked about men and what the the Bible has to say to us as men. Um, What does it look like to follow Christ as a man? Um, What is the the picture of manhood that we're given in the Bible? And tonight we're going to talk about women. Um, I just want to say uh, That a lot of what I'm going to say to you tonight Is stuff that other campus ministers Have uh, have thought about for a long time With the help of lots of women um, So hopefully what I give you tonight Is something that's helpful for you Um, And I just want to say Also starting off Culturally it is much more Culturally women you'll have so many more Pressures on you than we do as men There's so much more cultural pressure on you uh, Right You uh, And you all have told me this um, that you feel the pressure to be strong, but not too strong, um, smart, but not smarter than your husband or your future boyf- your boyfriend or future husband, um, right? You feel the pressure to be sexy, but not too sexy, um, right? You have so much pressure on you as women, and this is not, this is not new. History has, been, uh, has not been kind to women, uh, first century B.C., there's a, there's a famous letter from a man named Hilarion to his wife, Ailes. And this is a, a famous letter among scholars because it shows this remarkable contrast between um, this man's deep concern for his wife and his son and his utter disregard for a possible daughter. I want to read this to you. This is from Hilarion uh, sometime in the first century B.C. He, he writes to his wife, he says, know that I'm still in Alexandria and I ask and beg you to take good care of our baby son. And if you deliver a child before I come home, if it is a boy, keep it. And if it is a girl, discard it. You have sent me word. Don't forget me. How can I forget you? I beg you not to worry. I mean, it's, it's, the contrast is so stark. Right? His love for his wife, his love for his son, and his utter disregard for a daughter. Um, Plutarch, who was a Greek historian, historian during the first century, um, he wrote about Greco-Roman culture. And this was just... The prevailing view that women had to be self-controlled and faithful to one man, whereas men could have multiple partners and could really do whatever they wanted sexually. And this was standard, that women were to be constricted and men had a limited, unlimited um, license. Um, another example of this is our current culture. The massive porn industry in hyper-sexualized com- commercial culture continues to seek to erode the value and dignity of women friend of mine who's a pastor up in Baltimore, um, after the death of Hugh Hefner last week or the week before, whenever that was, he wrote this. He said, the person responsible for the greatest denigration of women and the greatest dehumanization of American culture since slavery has died. I mean, this incredible effect in in sexualizing um, women in every case. Women, um, history has not been kind to you. And the Bible has historically affirmed the strength and the dignity of women. And this affirmation cuts against the culture. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Bible as an authority. And want to say I'm not standing on my authority. Um, women, um, I, I will not and cannot say everything about womanhood. I can't even attempt to do that. Um, so I'm, I've been praying that God would speak to you through his word. Um, disclaimer, I am not a woman. Um <laughs> And I am married to an incredibly strong woman for 10 years, and I have a, a wonderful, strong, um, beautiful three-year-old daughter. Um, and so um, just – I want you to hear me through that lens that as I'm trying to speak to you, know that I'm not, I, I want to come alongside of you in this. Um, and I know that some of you might have some fear. As you're looking, um, the fear of opening the Bible to see what it might have to say about your womanhood, because you fear that if you peer too closely, it would deny you and it would restrict you. Um, but tonight, what I want to suggest to you is that the constraints that the, offers, that the Bible offers you um, are the foundation of true freedom for you as women. So one of you asked me this week, um, why are you talking about men and women separately? Are you arguing that the Bible has a gendered morality? That God's expectations of morality are different for men and different from women? And the answer is, is no. The, the Bible is clear. The New Testament is clear that the response to the love of God in Christ, the life of the Christian, is summed up by Jesus. They're called to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, and God made men and women in his image and gendered us to image him to the world. We were created differently. And our... Our similarities far outweigh our differences. But the testimony of the Bible is clear that we need both men and women to fully image God. Um, And so what we're going to do is we're going to read Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. It's printed on the back of your bulletin. Um, And just want to say that this passage is not a formula for being a superwoman. Rather, it's an idealized, beautiful picture of being a woman. And it's a picture of a woman living in the freedom of the gospel. So I'm going to read this for us. This is God's word for us tonight. Um, It is completely true. He gives it to us in love. An excellent woman who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers the field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household, And does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Many women have done excellently. But you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands. And let her works praise her in the gates. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Uh, Father would you help me and help us. To hear your voice of love. In your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what I want us to see as we look at this passage together is three aspects of how God describes women living in the freedom of the gospel. Um, That this freedom flows from the inside out. Um, Her freedom gives her purpose in her life, and her freedom brings freedom to others. So, first, her freedom flows from the inside out. So, a question for you is where do you find your identity? Where do you find your worth? What motivates you to keep going? Or to to flip the question, to inverse it, um, when do you feel worthless? When do you feel valueless? So that's identity. That's the question of identity. And starting in verse 10, this passage is an acrostic wisdom poem. So what's going on is, is the author has begun each verse with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So the whole thing, starting with Aleph and going all the way down to the end of the Hebrew alphabet. And it begins and ends with a woman's excellence. Verse 10, it talks about the woman being excellent. And verses 29 through 31, it talks about her being excellent. Why? And this is because this woman's character is excellent through and through. And men, what this is saying is that a woman with character is far more valuable than anything else you could desire. Verse 30 is saying that this excellent woman who is worthy of praise, she's a woman who fears the Lord. Not a woman who's scared of God, but a woman who understands who is worthy of her respect. Who is worthy of her fear, who is worthy of her obedience, her time, her very life. She's a woman who stands in awe and delight of the Lord. And if you want to be a woman who lives in the freedom of the gospel, the freedom from serving this sex-saturated culture, freedom from the world that tells you what you must be, you must begin with an understanding of where your value comes from. 1 Samuel 16 of 7 says, The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And then 1 Peter 3, 3-4, through four, the Apostle Peter writes this to women in the church. He says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So he's not saying that jewelry is bad, but he's saying it's not final. It's not, it's not of the most ultimate importance. And he's, he's asking you to take a clear-eyed look at who you want to become as a woman. And at least two things are true of an excellent woman. First, we see that she can see that she has value. And second, that she knows where her value comes from. So she can see that she has value. And she knows where her value comes from. So if it's just the first one, if it's, just, if it's just that she knows she has value and not the second, that she doesn't know where her value comes from, then her value will be in changing things. Her value will be in her fashion, what she wears. Um, and the attention she gets will be in her body, her friends, who she's dating, her abilities, her achievements. And this will lead to slavery. Slavery to things other than God. She will always be searching for the sur- source of her worth, and it's elusive. She'll never arrive. This is not freedom. And if a woman um, knows, where she, knows where value comes from, but doesn't see that she has value, she'll recognize the love of God, but won't apply it to herself. Her value will be in her failures, and she will spend all of her energy trying to be what she thinks will make God love her. And this is exhausting and not Freedom. And here's the beauty of being this kind of excellent woman. The excellence that's pictured here is that you don't have to muster up confidence in your own worth. Your value doesn't originate with some moralistic hope that you have worth. It begins with the God of the universe declaring to all creation that you have incredible worth. In fact, you're so valuable that he gave his very life so that he could be with you. This means that when you struggle to believe this, when you struggle to believe that you have incredible value, Jesus tells you that he is your advocate, that he has claimed you as his own before the Father in heaven, and he claims you as his own before the world. And on the cross, he paid the debt of your sin, taking the wrath of God onto himself, buying you back as his own, and in this, proclaiming to the world your infinite worth. And this also means that if you struggle to believe this, your struggle doesn't nullify your value. Your value and worth isn't in your ability to hold on to it or your ability to claim it. Your value has been set by God in your creation and in your redemption. Your value comes from the God of love who loves you and gave himself for you in Christ. And this produces freedom. I think one of the sweetest pictures of this freedom is, um, I think, little girls. Like watching my daughter, Mary Landon. She's three Um, And she is secure in the love of Mary Clark and I. She's secure in our love. And if you watch small children who know that their parents love them, there is this this beautiful joy and freedom as they play with no fear and no worry and no anxiety. And they know who they are and they know they're valuable because they're secure in their parents' love. This is what faith in Jesus can do for you. Freedom because of whose you are. So freedom flows from the inside out. And also we see that her freedom gives her purpose in this life. Her freedom lets her value flow out into the world. So what does this value look like? Well, I want to point to three things. Her confidence, her contributions, and her compassion. So first she brings confidence to those around her. If you look at verse 11 with me, um, her husband has full confidence in her. You could say her friends have full confidence in her. And then in verse 23, we have this, this picture of her at the gates of the city. And in the ESV study Bible, um, it says this. It says that the gates were the center of civic and economic life in an Israelite city. And this is where the leading men gathered. And the wife's excellent work and noble character would have contributed contributed significantly to her husband's success and reputation when he sits among the elders of the land. So her work would contribute to others' success. So I ask this question to you women. Are you contributing to the success and the greater reputation of your friends? Or are you tearing others down, making people fear you? And then verses 28 and 29. Um, she's noticed for her character. So guys, what this means for you is to stop focusing on how she will look at the beach and start praising her character. Affirm her for following Christ. And ask God to give you the eyes to see her the way that he does, not the way that the world does. And ladies, this means for you, yes, notice her cute outfit, but also thank her. Thank her for pushing you towards the grace and love of Jesus as she does as your friend. So she brings confidence to those around her and she contributes to the flourishing of this world. So, women and men both have a profound calling in the world. And the Bible nowhere teaches that women should be helpless and barefoot and in the kitchen.
1: (laughs) This woman is
0: very competent in her field. And your field can be one day be in the kitchen or on the playground with your kids as a stay at home mom, or it can be in the corporate world making lots of money, managing lots of people. Um, Because we see in this, this picture that she is a hard worker, she isn't lazy. In verse 16, she's making real estate transactions and entrepreneurial investments. And then verse 18, as her business increases, she increases production. Verse 13, she's doing the work of sourcing materials for her business. Verse 19, we see that she's getting stuff done. She's making a product that she can sell for for profit. And one thing I love um, as your pastor is having conversations with you as you talk about what you're studying and why you're studying it. Because whatever work you do, as a Christian, your work has incredible purpose. It can be part of bringing goodness and wholeness into the fracture and the brokenness of this world. This will happen as you follow Jesus into your vocation. So a question for you to consider, women, um, is how will you be a lawyer or a doctor, a physician's assistant or a physical therapist? A businesswoman or a teacher, a stay-at-home mom or an academic. How will you do this with an eye for bringing the love of Jesus into every corner of God's creation? Jesus will help you answer this question as you walk with him. And finally, I love this, in verse 25, um, she laughs at the time to come. She has no fear of the future. And this is for two reasons. First, she trusts in her God who has promised her hope and her future And she trusts in the work that God has given her to do, that she's accomplishing. She has no fear of the future. She has this freedom from future anxiety. And then third, I want to point out that she has compassion to the world around her. In verse 20, we see that she cares for the poor and the needy, both the physically poor and the emotionally and spiritually poor. And y'all, this requires great patience. And great patience is learned through practice. This is not something that comes naturally. Mary Clark is one of the most patient women I know. And why is this? I told her I was going to say this because that's not true. It's like, yes, it is. And, the, and you want to know why? Have you guys met our kids? That's why she's the most patient woman in the world. She has incredible patience. Takes lots of practice. Verse 26, we see that this woman's compassion has real substance. It flows from the Word of God. It says that she has wisdom um, and the, and the, the word of God, the Bible, is the ultimate source of wisdom for this world. Right? It's not just the accuracy of her words. It's how she speaks. She speaks the truth in love to others. So we see that freedom flows from the inside out. Freedom gives her purpose in her life. And finally, we see that her freedom brings freedom to others. Her freedom brings freedom to others. Um, one of the, the sweet things that I've gotten to watch happen in this community over the past two and a half years um, is to see a group of women in RUF start a chapter of the International Justice Mission here on campus. Right, We just had this kickball tournament um, to raise awareness for this. But the IJM, the International Justice Mission, um, is a nonprofit that works for the rescue of slaves, the protection of the poor, um, to prove that justice to the poor is possible. And for those of you who don't know about the current Problem in the world. There are 45 million people in slavery today. That's five times the population of London. It's the combined population of 80 countries. And um, one of the one of the groups that's working towards ending slavery is called the End It campaign. And it says this about slavery: it says slavery has many forms and names, but it's still slavery and it's still wrong. Can you imagine being forced to work without pay, trapped? Unable to walk away. Subject to violence or the threat of violence by another person as they control you. As they own you. Isolated, yet hidden in plain sight. This is reality for those trapped in slavery today. Slavery is illegal in every single country in the world, yet it still exists. So what does it look like to be a woman that is committed to using her freedom for others? And committed not just to ending physical slavery around the world... But ending the spiritual slavery that's right here in our backyard at Wake. Because as you know, there are women here at Wake who are not free but are enslaved to the things that are destroying them. So women, use your freedom to bring freedom to others. To women who struggle daily with self-image. Women who um, are trapped in the guilt and shame of having been raped. Women who are trapped in the guilt and shame of having an abortion, women who are trapped in the guilt of shame of giving themselves away sexually to find love. Um, Y'all fight for one another. Because women in Christ, you are made in the image of God and you are redeemed by a God who loves you. We're told that it is for freedom that God has set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So I just want to end with two questions for you. First, um, have you tasted this freedom? I mean, have you tasted the freedom? Have you tasted this freedom that is yours in Christ? And second, um, are you using it to bring freedom to others for God's glory? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you... um,